Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Log Talk Radio. Welcome aboard to the latest edition of History Today with your host, Paul Angel, co-host, Dave Carey, here on the OverthrowRadio.com network. Dave, history and news move pretty quickly, don't they? (laughs) It's been a big couple weeks here. We've had the uh, Confederate flag, which has been a mainstay of Southern symbolism taken down or at the very least, the uh, Capitol building at the uh, in South Carolina. We've had Virginia, where I reside, tell people they got to turn in their Confederate license plates within 90 days, choose a new one. And we've basically seen a general nationwide assault against what people are describing as racist symbols, focusing on this Confederate battle flag. And as we talked about it a little bit last week, when I see that flag, I, the last thing I think about is black people. Maybe other people have adopted that particular symbol as a symbol of hate and racism, but I would say the vast majority of Southerners, and those who know their history, uh, do not see it as such. They see it as, a, quite frankly, and the way I see it, as a willingness of the general populace to stand up and fight what was even then at the time of the Civil War and emerging the world order. The architect of the police state uh, of the modern era is Abraham Lincoln. Habeas Corpus was suspended during that war when Maryland, the state I was born in, tried to secede. The entire state legislature was locked up and the will of the people was thwarted. It was thwarted throughout that war. Preachers who spoke out against Lincoln's war or the atrocities of Union soldiers were locked up. Uh, but there's a bunch of other stuff happening here. This is generally what I see as an assault on traditional white America, traditional white culture. Sure, we've made a few mistakes along the way. We've had some terrible blunders. We've had some great successes. But I mean, really. Uh, this president, Barack Obama, seems to have a extremely aggressive social agenda. If we didn't notice it in his first four years, we've certainly noticed in the last four uh, what else am I supposed to think about or what conclusion am I supposed to make when I see illegal, illegal alien amnesty being forced through here, some states, and I think the people are resisting it, good for them, large influxes of non-Americans, I think, and specifically non-whites it is a dangerous thing. Uh, this is something his administration has pushed beyond belief, uh, to flood the nation with millions and millions of of people who don't even speak English, or perhaps aren't educated enough to participate in the workforce in a productive fashion, who are taxing 
<clears throat> our social services system, our hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen the Supreme Court just recently pass a law that says that homosexual marriage is, is an absolute right of the people. Uh, states will resist this, and the people resist this on religious grounds, I understand. I see that the president has appeared at the funeral of one of the prominent members of that Charleston church who was shot by Dylan Roof, I think his name was, who uh, pictures of him with the Confederate flag have been posted everywhere. And of course, Mr. Obama has not appeared at the funerals of any whites that I know of who have been slaughtered, uh, specifically this, well, I'll mention this one Greek family, Greek Americans, good productive members of society who were held hostage for at least an entire day, if not longer, tortured the mother, the father, a 10-year-old boy, tortured by a black thug and the maid and the maid who was was she a Latino? Yes. Her her life matters too. It ain't just black lives that matter. It's the lives of all human beings on this planet and in this country. It's who we're concentrating on. And to focus on the imaginary atrocities against one particular segment for whatever agenda, which we will get into later, that they have is an absolute travesty. The news media is a willing participant in this lie as they go on and on and on convincing black people in this country that they are under constant assault and racism. And the thing that binds them together is the constant racism and discrimination they face on a daily basis. Sure, I think things in the 1950s were bad. That was only 90 years after the Civil War. But according to most statistics and according to my own friends and their children and others, we now look at each other in a much different way. But still, the attack goes on. Now, you're always looking into the news, and I know you've seen a few things. I'm going to mention just a couple more, and then I'm going to see if you've got anything else here. I got an email uh, recently that claims a new study shows that white Americans are the biggest terror threat, much worse than Islamic extremists. White Americans are the biggest terror threat in the United States. White Americans have killed more people in attacks than Muslims or any other group in the last 14 years. According to this new study, this research was conducted by the New America Foundation and allegedly examined the year 26 attacks on U.S. soil defined as acts of terror. Well, I'd like to expand that uh, description of an act of terror. At any rate, 19 of those attacks were uh, committed by non-Muslims. Now, uh, alleging uh, this report alleges, excuse me, that since the September 11 atrocity, 48 people have been killed by extremists who are not Muslim. Uh, they're mostly whites, according to this report. Uh, this is a quote. From a legal point of view, when people go into court, the Justice Department and certain guidelines about sentencing. So, for instance, if a crime is deemed to have a terrorist underpinning, the sentences that are handed down are longer than it would be just for a conventional crime. That was from Peter Bergen, the Vice President and Director of Studies in the New America Foundation. This was an interview conducted by National Public Radio. Now, uh, I think we'd better look at some facts, because people only believe what they're taught in school, what their history books say, they hear on the radio and uh, what they see in mainstream internet sources. Now, that's not 
100% true because there are people who are open-minded enough and intelligent enough to understand that there's another truth out there. There's the real truth. As you like to say, the mainstream media isn't really the mainstream media. It's the elite media. We are the mainstream. We are the number of people. People are starting to catch on a little bit here, but unfortunately, uh, a large segment of the black population and liberal white population prefer to wallow in this uh, pool of self-pity and guilt in which they like to assess their own problems and assign blame to those of others. Uh, what other things have you seen recently that lead you to believe that there's a war on traditional culture in this country, hmm. Dave? Yeah. I have eyes and ears. Well, and, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say anything in the news. Yeah, I know. Um, that's what I mean. That's the problem. Most people have eyes, but they can't see and have ears and they can't hear. But these, this, this thing you mentioned, this study, this was actually five days ago came out. But for some reason, it's been delayed throughout the mainstream media. So the elite media put it out. New York Times had it out. I actually sent the article out to a bunch of people. Homegrown extremists tied to deadlier toll than jihadists in U.S. since 9-11. And so we're not talking about a lot of numbers here since 9-11. How long ago was that? 14 years ago? Almost, sure. right? Almost 14 years ago? Yep. 48 people have been killed by extremists who are not Muslim compared with 26 by self-proclaimed jihadists, according to a count by New America. Of course, there's three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. So whatever, it's not a lot of, uh, it's not a, a big numbers here. I mean, any life is important, but it's not big numbers. Uh, actually, Chris is saying he just called in. Let me see where he's at here. Uh, yeah, he's on there. Hey, Chris. Hey, Dave. Us? Good morning. How are you? Hey, Paul. Hey, good morning. How's it going, Chris? How's it going? Good, good, good. I just well, started listening. Very good. Well, listen, we are so we're we're talking about this report, and it looks like 26 people, or, or 48 people. What's the number, Dave? Yeah, 48, 48 have been killed by now by extremists. Well, let's look at that word first, okay? I mean, that has to be qualified. Who are not Muslim, so non-Muslim extremists. Now, who, who's to decide who's an extremist or not? Was George Washington an extremist? Absolutely. <laughs> right, of course. Sure, by so, today's standards, this, I'm sure all those guys would be considered right. extremists. Exactly. Terrorists, extremists. So the point is, is that the study's a joke, but it's getting some play. So it really means nothing. 48 and 26, like I said, one life matters, of course. But, of course, black lives matter more than white lives. And, and talking about that, as far as... Black Lives Matter and White Lives Matter. Nobody's ever mentioned this, as far as I could see, at least in our mainstream media, and I'm sure the elite media hasn't mentioned it, but could there be a little bit of white envy going on here? I don't know. I know that they do want what we want and that what we have, and that is envy at its heart, I would imagine. But I think that this, this whole thing, Chris, you always say that the news media reports on what's popular, right? And they try to get listeners. They must have found out that this angle has, has increased ratings for their advertisers. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, the real genocide in this country is not being perpetrated by white extremists 
or Muslim experience. It's being really perpetrated by the black youth of America upon the black youth of America and whites. For instance, the country's up in arms now about the nine innocent victims who were shot in Charleston. And looking at statistics from as long as 10 years ago, um, an average of 45 whites, excuse me, 24 whites, according to the FBI, are killed every week, 80% of which are killed by blacks. Now, this is solved crimes. There's a great proportion of unsolved crimes. I think that um, nationwide, the unsolved murder rate might be 30 to 40%. Who knows? If you add the number and you, if you put the statistic that 80% of these are committed by blacks, you're talking about 50, 60 white people being killed every single week. That's a genocide. But you're also talking about 90, maybe a week in this country, blacks being killed by other blacks. This man goes on to say in this report that concealed were the murderers in the mainstream of 4,395 whites in one year alone. That was 1993. This is the height of the murder rate, I guess, uh, when the murders were happening all over the place. Uh, in other words, more white people have been killed at the hands of black people than all people were killed in 911, the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War, Iraq War II, Libya, and anything else we've gotten into since well before 911. This study is a fraud. This study is just part of the of the of the propaganda to vilify whites currently now. I mean look at the number, how many people? Forty eight people have been killed by extremists who are not Muslims since in fourteen years. This is an insignificant segment of the population. Well, insignificant segments of statistics that really mean nothing. Would you agree? Yeah. Of course. I mean, you know, look, look you know, every life yeah, Paul, matters, I, I, right? I, Yeah, I think your point's well taken. I mean, and, and I'd like to piggyback on that and say that, you know, the, the only time that this narrative seems to pop up is when it is some uh, uh, event in which, say, like a, a black cop, a white cop kills, kills a black. But, you know, following, you had this, this uh, what happened with this Freddie Gray up in Baltimore, and, and we all know in the weeks following the riots, there was, you know, there was a huge... Uh, bump in in murders of uh, black on black uh, uh, violence of killings in Baltimore, and we didn't get the names. You know, you didn't have Anderson Cooper out on the streets of Baltimore wondering when these killings are going to stop, and you didn't hear about the names of the people, or you didn't have their profiles featured on any of this stuff because it doesn't fit into the narrative that's being created that uh, um, that we have to fix everything, that uh, that white people are responsible for everything and white people have to fix everything, when in fact, in reality, we all know that there is cultural decay in the urban in the urban areas. There is, and there's, there's, there's lots of problems. I mean, you've got broken families, you've got uh, um, you know, extreme poverty, you've got people who have all but given up in those areas, and, uh, and nobody seems to care about them, themselves included, and they're unwilling to talk about it. We've also got this idea about hate crimes. And right now, evidently, according to the laws, there's only one group of people who a hate crime cannot be committed against. I'm not exactly sure that's true, but generally speaking, it's whites. I want to I recount an incident that happened that it was so shocking that you would have thought it would have been on every uh, newscast. I know it doesn't fit in the narrative, but the people don't haven't heard of it or they have heard of it, whatever. It brings them a point. You know, uh, 
years ago, I think it was 2007, in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, the, the two kids, uh, one of them was Shannon Gale Christian, she was 21, and this guy named Hugh Christopher Newsom was 23, were basically carjacked in Knoxville, Tennessee. Inevitably, they were kidnapped in January, and um, they were taken to a rental house. And there, these two kids raped, tortured, murdered by five black people. I mean, a crime so heinous. So I'll give you a couple of the details. Um, basically, we're leaving the apartment. I'm reading a synopsis, so just reading the highlights of it. They were leaving an apartment together on the evening of January 6th to go to a friend's party. They were abducted from the carjacked and kidnapped. Well, worried about not hearing from their daughter, the, the, the Christian's parents uh, called the, their mobile phone. And they eventually, the cops found her abandoned Toyota, you know, uh, a day later. Police recovered an envelope that yielded fingerprint evidence leading to five flags, particularly Lamarius or Lamarcus Davidson. Uh, when they found uh, Christopher Newsom's body, it was near a set of railroad tracks. He'd been bound, blindfolded, gagged, stripped naked to from the waist down. He'd been shot in the back of the head, neck, and back. His body had been set on fire. This guy had been sexually abused. Uh, uh, he had uh, been raped. He, he had been sexually assaulted. And uh, they basically uh, had done this at this apartment. That was the guy. Uh, now, the girl was, was worse. And by the way, they made these kids watch what was happening to each other. Uh, the poor girl died a couple hours after the torture. She had suffered massive injuries from sexual assault. Uh, they had, while she was alive, these, these animals had poured bleach down her throat and scrubbed her body. They had wrapped her up inevitably in uh, five five bags. Her body was in one piece, I believe. But they put her in five tra- uh, trash bags, had wrapped that up, thrown her in a dumpster. But she wasn't dead. Basically, she slowly suffocated to death. Uh, I bring this up because it, it's so horrific that if it is this type of <laughs> event that gets the news, this is so much worse than anything that has happened to any uh, of the victims of uh, alleged uh, police violence or white racism. It's so shocking. It's, you would think something like this would have gotten great uh, coverage in the news. But you have to ask yourself, you said this doesn't fit into our narrative. What would the reaction of white people be if they heard about these types of things? And I've got a list on here. I don't even want to go into them. But you know Colin Flaherty, Dave, that goes into this and lists this in great detail in his books. And some people should access Dave's podcast with Colin Flaherty. Uh, but what would the reaction of whites be? Would, would, would they shove their guilt? Would they stand up and... and, and Demand the truth on the news. Why is this being kept, this type of, and by the way, this happens all the time. Maybe not with this uh, ferocity, but we know that it just happened recently with this Greek family. This is the worst kind of murder. This is torture. This is hours of it. This is for small amounts of money or for some other sick, twisted agenda. What would the reaction be, and why doesn't the news media want to cover this stuff? Chris, you might as well answer that, because... I think well, I know the answer. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it's I again. I think that uh, um, you know that this doesn't. I, I wish I had a, a straightforward explanation, you know, uh, for it. I think money, profits play into it a lot. I think that this whole, you know, this this uh, um, uh, white guilt 
this white liberal guilt plays into it. You know, we've talked to, I don't know if, if you guys have talked about the notion of pathological altruism. I mean, there's probably, a, it's, it's, it's a complicated explanation for this. Uh, but, but I think it gets down to the fact that it just doesn't fit into this simple narrative. And the simple narrative is, is, that, is that, you know, that, that we're responsible for all the problems and that we're responsible to try to fix all these problems. And, uh, and that these people are just simply victims, and that's all. And they can't, you know, they yeah, can't who, do anything about it. Yeah, but who's saying that, though? But who's, who's deciding that we created it and we're responsible? Well, that's a good question, you know. It, it, it's, uh, in some respects, it's a herd mentality on this. And, and I will say that, you know, as much as people decry Fox News, and we do a lot for, uh, uh, I certainly do, for their, uh, their warmongering and these other issues, they don't fall into this as much, say, as you know, MSNBC or, or even CNN, for that matter, get into that. And so, you know, that, that there isn't necessarily, I, I would argue that it's not as black and white. I mean, there is a bit of a spectrum, and uh, most of these fall along a spectrum. I guess on Fox, you know, they have their standard people. They have like Geraldo Rivera and these other people who would advance this, uh, this, this, this concept that, that you know, all blacks are victims of of the situation, and that even the vac- vic- the the blacks that commit the uh, the horrific crimes are are the victims. And and let me just get back to something, Paul, you said here to to be you know um, uh, I I, I want to be clear about this. I that that these you know horrible things happen. Uh, it it. it it, all the time. Well, I won't say all the time, but horrible things happen, you know. And and all you have to do is look at at wars, what happens during wars. Look at you know what happened in Rwanda, uh, and uh, and look at what happened in the Congo and the way that these people were treated there. Uh, and and it's it's it you know what compared to what happens here, you know the crimes that com- uh, happen here in the states are nothing compared to what happens in South Africa and, and some of these other countries that are over there. And, you know, and in uh, in in Zimbabwe, and uh, uh, you know, in for Congo and, and Rwanda. So I, I I think we have to, you know, that they want to jump all over these 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 unusual events. You know, whether it's a school shooting or it's uh, it's this one that just happened in Charleston, where this, you know, there's a picture I saw circulating this morning that really struck me of that 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 kid Dylan Roof who went in there, and you know, he was this pasty-faced, skinny little wimp who was sitting there with these with these uh, sunglasses on. I don't know if you guys. Did you guys see this picture pulled down partly over his eyes, and he had his little handgun there. He's sitting on something, and he's waving his little Confederate flag. And it kind of reminded me of the pictures that I saw of these two idiots in, uh, you know, that shot up that school in uh, Columbine in, uh, in Colorado. And so, uh, uh, you know, the, the, these are anomalies. These are, these are terrible, awful situations. But the reality is the overwhelming majority of people, you know, People that I know go about their daily life, and they don't, uh, uh, you know. And, and this, they, this type of stuff doesn't impact them. It, are we seeing more of this happen? I don't know. I look at crime rates, and crime rates are at an all-time low. Murders, you know, rapes, violence, all of this stuff. So, so I'm not convinced that, uh, you know, th- that that uh, that this is starting to spread out into other parts of the country. It seems to me that most of the gun violence in this country is largely contained to these poor urban areas in in these cities. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Jay, do you want to throw something? No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I don't. Did, did I answer your question, did. Paul? I guess I kind of did in a roundabout way. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, Paul. About as far as uh, yeah, yeah. Let me just say this real quick. I thought you meant in reference to what Chris was saying. As far as how uh, how is this incredibly vicious and sad for the for the relatives' crime? committed by these black animals and I stand by because you know both you guys know how I scour the news 
And that's not for this stuff, you know, on purpose. It's just there. It's just, it's hidden. But I find it. And when I say black animals, of course, I'm not talking about all blacks. But the, the blacks that commit these type of crimes are animals. And it just so happens that there's a lot more of these type of types of crimes committed by blacks than there are whites. But it doesn't get the coverage that the other stuff does, this Dylan Roof and so on and so forth. But how is it that the elite media and that Joker Cooper that you mentioned, how is it that the elite media would not bring this story to the public? And how would the whites react? Well, they might get a better sense of what they're dealing with here. That if they showed over and over and over again the type of crimes that are committed by these blacks, things might change for the better. That's kind of my point is that I think that the news media does have an agenda here. And I don't think it's all just profits. And if you feed people a steady diet of twisted news day after day after day after day, you end up socially programming these people. And we know that whites are very uh, compassionate. This is this white pathological altruism. And so, hey, on, on the one side, it's nice because, look, we are, we are living in a multicultural society today. There's not much we can do about that. There's no deporting people. There's no getting rid of them. There's no kill them, for gosh sakes. And we must live uh, together in a, in a peaceful way. But if this continues on week after week, month after month, I think that people's brains are going to be laundered to the point where uh, they're, they're more easily malleable here. Uh, listen, I saw some other news items recently, and one was how they're going to handle the not only the Confederate flag, but the names of monuments and streets and uh, universities and such. And I forget which one of the candidates was talking about this. I'm not sure if it was Bernie Sanders or not, I doubt, but he was marching with Martin Luther King. <clears throat> He's quite a civil rights act, uh, advocate at the time. I don't know about now. I think so. But here I am living close to everybody in Virginia lives close to and in, in, in one way or another, Route 1, right, on this corridor, and that's Jefferson Davis Highway. Well, Jefferson Davis Highway, they were suggesting, would, would lose its name because it's right there in front of everybody every single day, and it's something that could be changed. Whereas the, this politician was recommending that Washington Lee University, even though uh, bearing the names of two vile uh, slaveholders, would keep its name. And so when it's in the public eye, I guess they want to remove it. Uh, uh, have you heard anything about that? About how they want to, how, where they're going now to further erase uh, the names of uh, what most white Southerners, for instance, Robert E. Lee, consider a, a culture hero. Are we going to never, are we not, are kids not going to learn about him in the South? Will every single picture of a Confederate flag be excised from textbooks? There's more going on here than just ratings. This is the long-term plan and agenda. Uh, where it goes, well, if, if we tell people the truth, Dave, as you said, they might be a little more riled up and say, well, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Look, everybody commits crimes against everybody else. Um, and, and, the, and the blacks would be reined in. Hey, but let me ask you guys a question here. You know, the, we're kind of focusing on, you know, what's what's uh, being spewed forth from, you know, New York City uh, and uh, and from Los Angeles. 
But when you get into, you know, you start talking to regular people. I think regular people kind of realize this, don't you? I mean, regular people, they may not be able to specifically put their finger on it, but, you know, they know that uh, um, that this narrative is uh, is baloney. They know that it's garbage. They know that, uh, um, you know, that, that uh, the, I would say that the majority of people could, I think they, they deep down sort of realize this, that if you go out and you start talking to people, and I'm not talking about this professional activist uh, um, uh, uh, cast or, or, or you know, this, this, these professional activists that have come about, because we've seen a lot uh, of, of that, especially sort of younger people. But they've always kind of been like that when, when you're younger. You know, you're very passionate, but not necessarily the smartest about uh, or the, the most astute or the most experienced about these situations, and you're easily manipulated. But if you go out and you talk to regular people out in the street, you know, about, uh, um, you know, do you think that, uh, that, that whites are really responsible for all of this and that, uh, that it's, all, uh, it's all because of us, that this is the reason why that black people are having such a hard time in the city, this type of thing. I think they understand it, you know. I, I, I think that they well, think that's garbage. Well, I'll tell you, my concern is when you teach kids in school, because this is the public school system that all of us can afford to homeschool. And these uh, social programmers get your kids eight hours a day. And what I'm saying is that your cultural identity is based upon what you learn and the pride you feel in your own people. Uh, All races have had some accomplishments that they can feel proud of. But what happens if my kid goes to school and never learns about white accomplishment? We talked last week, I believe I read an item from the Board's Review, in which to discuss the number of pictures in these standardized textbooks, okay? I think that it isn't just per county or per state. I'm not sure how it works, but a lot of, a lot of us were taught, even in my day, from standardized textbooks. If we went to another county, they were learning from the same textbook. And the textbook tells my kid that whites are responsible for all ills in the world, that Robert E. Lee, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson were uh, abusive slaveholders, that there was nothing to be proud of for them. How does that change white culture? How does that change pride in a child? What are we going to be taught to be proud of? Will they be taught to be proud to be white? Will they be taught that it's bad to be white? This, is a, this has ramifications that go on for decades. Sure, the man on the street, once he grows up, might understand that this is baloney, but this takes a lot of reverse programming. Come on, I don't want my kid taught that being white is the worst thing in the world. And I also think that what we teach in, what we teach in history, specifically in school, is, is very formative as to how you look upon your own race. So, you know, I see this as more than just the Anderson Cooper man on the street. I'm talking about history, teaching history to kids, and that's what we focus on in this particular program is where, where is this going? From what we can tell in the textbooks that are being done by the, by the biggest publishers, because textbooks is big business. And uh, kids, uh, there was, what, I forget what the exact statistic was, I can pull it up, but it was like 21 pictures of blacks, 14 pictures of American Indians, 14 pictures of Eastern and North Europeans, eight pictures of, of Chinese, okay. If this is going beyond the news. This is going into the, uh, the people who control the news, control the dissemination of information on many levels. And it's concerning that one day we, and maybe, they, maybe they'll decide next not to even teach about the Civil War. Maybe they'll only teach it from a union point of view. And there was a lot of things for whites to be proud of. There's a lot of uh, things I imagine that whites could legitimately be ashamed of. 
you know, certainly a northerner who was in uh, Sherman's army marching to the sea. If you were one of, uh, if you were an, uh, a descendant of one of those soldiers who was raping people, not all of them did, raping people and stealing goods and slaughtering people. Look at, look at General Order Number 11 in Missouri, my goodness. Uh, people in entire counties, a union war crime, unbelievable union war crime. You know, look at how, look at how history is being taught now. And now with what last vestiges of Southern honor and Southern history are being eradicated. Why? Why is that? Do Southerners have a little more feel for, for living under a police state? I mean, listen, the Civil War was 150 years ago. There's still a memory of this all over the place. We know that. It's why they fly the Confederate flag. This was a real resistance to the New World Order. This was a resistance to the banking institutions. This was a resistance to that moral tariff, right, Dave? Yeah, the one real, real tariff of 1861. But, you know, I, I did a little research on that, and I found out that the reason they were able to pass it so easily was because a lot of these southern legislators, U.S. legislators, just took off because they seceded, so they didn't have that opposition to that. Hey, listen, we got a call, actually, and it's a legitimate call. It's from, I believe it's from our friend Harold out there in Idaho. So oh, you didn't screen it? Did you screen it? No, but I'm pretty sure it's him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Har- Harold, is that you, my friend? That certainly is. Boy, I'll tell you, uh-huh. nothing like being, uh, being known, right? All hey, right. listen, no, I appreciate I, the I, opportunity to be on your show. I, I wanted to bring out something that I thought was kind of interesting in regards to what you said. Are you guys familiar with Karen Hunter by any chance? Uh, can't say I am. Mm-mm. Karen Hunter? How do you spell the first name? K a r e n. No, Chris. Okay, she is. She's the head of a black publishing company known as Hunter Publishing, and she published a book in 2010. Believe it or not, it's called "Stop Being Niggardly," and it's a beautiful book. It's it's entitled that, and it says and nine other things that black people need to stop doing. And I just want to read you a very short piece here that's very interesting because it goes right and, along and with Ka- what you Karen, Karen Hunter And Karen Hunter is black, right? Yes, she is. Indeed, she is very black. And she's quite an interesting lady. Uh, on the back of the book, it says, Don Imus, you recall he was a, a commentator, I believe, on a sports show. And he called the Rutgers women's basketball team a bunch of nappy-headed hoes. And America lost its mind. If black people concerned themselves with making sure their neighborhoods were safe, their children were educated, that their businesses thrived, instead of allowing people from other communities to come in and get rich, if black people worried more about the sticks and stones instead of the names they were called, perhaps they would be further along. You know, that kind of talk is absolute dynamite, and she's absolutely 100% right. Right. Well, you know, that speaks to responsibility, and and we've touched on that a lot. I mean, ultimately, is that that's it, you know, is that you can't – Dave, I remember that book you were passing around is is, uh, Marriage for White People, right? Where, uh, um, you know, you were talking about that – yeah, and it was written by a black (laughs) author, and – I think I have it on my bookshelf here still too. Uh, I don't see it immediately, but uh, yeah, she was talking about how these uh, these black women now are just basically settling for asking in there, "Are you a uh, um, you know, are you convicted of any crimes, or are you an ex-con or something like that?" Trying to just right. you know, 
Yeah, trying to find at least a guy who's not a convict in there. Oh, and wow. it ultimately come, you know, that they're ultimately going to have to, uh, you know, and this is what we talked about. This whole culture is going to have to accept responsibility and uh, and and uh, and come together themselves, you know, and try to do something and try to take responsibility for it because you can't keep trying to blame it on somebody else. It's just not going to work. No, it isn't. And one of the things I really like about this book is it refers to a black activist from 1895 whose name was Helen Burroughs. And she wrote a book called 12 Things the Negro Needs to Do to Improve Himself. That's over 110 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's something, Harold, that I find amazing is that here we're talking about this stuff. We're talking about the, the blacks. We're, you know, we haven't mentioned the the Jewish influence in all of this. And no, I think that that's the 800-pound elephant in the room here that, uh, you know, you talk about how is it, Paul's talking about how is it our our uh, textbooks in school are brainwashing our children, and I agree with that 100%, and I think that is a problem. And the reason is because there's so many Jews as the gatekeepers. They're in charge. It's very clear. It's very simple. There's no way around it. The more you study it, the more you see it. There's nothing that could be said. But what you're talking about, here with the blacks and this being said so long ago i remember i read an article from tbr from the barnes review and it was written in like uh the early 1900s about black violence against whites yeah now here we go it was over a hundred years ago and they're saying the same darn things we're saying now and nothing's gotten better because That's of the true. people who are in charge of all of the important parts of the country as it applies to the way that people think There's no question about it. You know, I came here as an innocent little boy when I was about nine years old. I couldn't speak English, didn't know my rear end from a hole in the ground, as the saying goes. And I've had quite an education over the last half a century or more, and it unfortunately goes in the direction that uh, you have just mentioned. That's right, and we've got to do something about it. That's the problem. But they have a system in place where as soon as you broach the subject at all, the ADL and the SPLC jump on you. You're an anti-Semitic hater. And most right. of the, unfortunately, most of the populace of this mostly pathetically uneducated country will just listen to what these special interest groups have to say, they won't think for themselves, oh, he's a hater. Geez, they said that, so he must be a hater. It was on TV, so it's got to be true. Yeah, and so yes. how many Right. How many people could actually think for themselves? The number but, is But you know, David, it's, it's always low. been it's always been a minority of uh, of people who educate themselves and learn about these things and make things happen. And I just wanted to highlight you were talking about the of course the the Jewish influence in this and on the liberal side. But I I don't know if you guys saw this article over the weekend and it made me laugh. It was it was written in the New York Times and apparently in New York City's annual gay pride parade uh, that happened, I guess, over the weekend. It's a you know rather big festival, you know, whatever. People have banners, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. But uh, this this New York Times article reads that uh, um, apparently. Uh, these uh, um, uh, Jewish groups, uh, Orthodox uh, Jewish groups, actually hired protesters because it took place on the Sabbath. They hired <laughs> Mexican protesters 
to protest for them. And they actually had pictures of some of these guys with the hats on, and they're they're clearly Mexican. If you look online, you can see the New York Times picture of it. It says, paid protesters, some of them from Mexico, held up signs on behalf of a Jewish group that opposes same-sex marriage. And in fact, there's a guy there, this Mexican guy, who actually looks like he's wearing a wig and a funny little hat on, and he's got like the curls going down the side of his head. So you know it's it's on both sides and uh, on this, and there are you know there are very outspoken you know, yeah, but, but hold on, just let me say this, Chris. The, the yeah. this uh, what you're mentioning. These are the Hasidim and Agadith Israel is their main organization. Yeah, they are opposed to that because it's against their holy book. But these Correct. numbers are so small. It's they're 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 almost as tiny and. And, and ignored as that Netarai Carta group of people. Mm-hmm. And really, yeah. can you even trust these people? They've been scheming for thousands of years. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I said, okay. 100, 200, 2,000 years ago, this person yeah. that people call Jesus Christ, which I don't know if this person existed because I wasn't there and I don't have the faith that some people do, but 2,000 years ago, this guy was saying this about Jews, the same thing that people are saying today. Something's going on. Two thousand years ago. Let me give you a, a little funny. I used to work in the broadcast media, and when I was a really naive young reporter, I was sent down to uh, the courthouse in San Diego, California, to get some sound bites on a particular uh, issue. I don't even remember the details. But when I arrived there, the television stations were all there with their cameras in the guy's face, and there was a whole bunch of people cheering and carrying on and and little girls in skimpy dresses and all this sort of stuff. And I I just waited patiently, figuring I'd let the TV stations do their thing, and then I'd do mine. So I interviewed one of the girls, and I said, Oh, gee, you must know this guy really well. Uh, How long have you known him? And she looked at me with a sarcasm, and she said, I've never met him before. We get paid to do this. Well, you know, I heard John Tiffany just sent me an item. He's the uh, assistant editor of the Barnes Review to talk about paid protesters and their people being paid to take down uh, the Confederate flag. Uh, and a man is offering them money not only to do it, but guaranteeing their bail money, I think up to $10,000 if they get harassed or jailed for ripping down the Confederate flag. So, yeah, this is an industry. And um, uh, initially, Dave, Dave is telling me to remember my point. My point was, who's behind it all? But tell me, Dave, one thing I can't figure out is, if you're telling me the Jews are behind the news media, which I think they do on a preponderance of outlets, and, and what they want, I, what I'm looking at is what they want, racial dissension in this country. They want, uh, they don't want, they want whites to love blacks, but blacks to hate whites. What is the agenda? Where, how does this help any agenda they have? Uh, you know, uh, riots certainly don't seem to be helping business anywhere. You'd think that they're smart businessmen. And nobody wants to give loans to cities, uh, portions of cities like that are burned to the ground. For instance, I think that the, uh, the inner city Baltimore, they had to beg CVS to come in there, right? How, what's the, what's the Jewish agenda where racial dissension and absolute mayhem, urban mayhem, helps them? Yeah, I mean that that's a good question, but I I really believe it's one of mental illness. And I've thought about this and I'm not just saying it. I know that because I contacted two separate Jewish genetic institutes. I wanted to know why do Ashkenazi Jews, which make up about 98% of ostensibly of all the Jews in the world and then the, that 2% are Sephardic Jews, 
So these Ashkenazi Jews, if an Ashkenazi Jew wants to marry an Ashkenazi Jew, and I'm talking about a man and a woman in that sense, not their... And by the way, the Center for uh, for Gay Pride Parades and Gay Pride is Tel Aviv, Israel. Uh, many folks don't know that. But but if a, if a male Ashkenazi Jew wants to marry a female Ashkenazi Jew, they have to have a series of genetic tests, a genetic panel, because they can share over 20 genetic diseases. So I... I contacted these two separate genetic Jewish genetic institutes, I think one in New York and one in Chicago, and I asked them that question. They both got back to me right away, very polite email. And the reason is something called founder's effect, which equals inbreeding, which equals incest. So for thousands of years, just like the Rothschilds, these people have been inbreeding. And when you inbreed, you carry along these genetic diseases because we're not meant to inbreed. Somebody has to tell these Jews that they're not meant to do that. And they still do that now. Of course, I lived close to Lakewood, New Jersey, which has the largest Jewish school yeshiva in the world, not the United States. And you see these these kids, they're, they're, they're retarded. I mean, I don't know what else to say, but it's because of these diseases. So how could it be that even though the end result of turning blacks against whites and making whites feel guilty and having the blacks think that they could get away with it because there's nothing to restrain them on a social level because they don't have fathers, Seventy over 75% have no fathers. So how could it be that this would benefit anybody? Well, if you, if you tie it into founder's effect, to inbreeding, to incest, to their mental illnesses, I really think that they don't have any control over the matter. And I, you've heard that a lot about Jews, and I'm not talking about all Jews, of course. I'm talking about these elite Jews who are in a position of power. You have these Jews who can't control themselves because of biology. That's the only thing that makes sense, because logically, it doesn't make sense, because it's not going to help anybody economically. It's not going to help the Jews if they burn down St. Louis or burn down Baltimore or burn down Ferguson or burn down Washington, D.C. or Newark, New Jersey or Los Angeles, which they've burned these places. So that's what I think. I could be wrong, but I can't think of any other logical reason. You well, know, it, it, the it, Jews it do that. Go ahead, Harold. Sorry, I was going to interrupt. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you make a lot of sense. There's a, a great deal of truth in that. There's no question that genetics are very important. There's no question that, that birds of a feather flock together. You know, those things are, are always overlooked. We're told that everybody is equal, and that's probably the biggest the biggest untruth that anybody can come up with. Well, you know, I, I see it as much more simple than that. I mean, the reality is, is that we all watched... We watched Baltimore burn. I mean, I, I watched it. I remember sitting there watching the live video of it. And uh, uh, Paul, I, Paul and I, you know, sat here. Actually, I think we were on Skype and we were commenting on it as they were looting CBSs and you know, and lighting fires and things like that. And this stuff, unfortunately, that uh, uh, you know, that these 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 news businesses just—they're so hungry for money and for uh, for eyeballs on their shows that they're pretty much willing to to uh, uh, sell out to the lowest common denominator on these situations. And that's why they won't publish won't won't you know have positive stories about positive things that are going on at the same if time. If it leads, it leads, right? If it, and if that's it why leads, they don't leads. care. The following week, you know, when when uh, when uh, there were forty murders in Baltimore, uh, they don't they don't care about that stuff because 
you know, most people realize that this stuff happens in the inner city. That's all. It's only when it's when it's extreme. I, now, I don't watch the news that much, so I don't even. We don't even have a TV set in our house, so I don't. Uh, um, you know, perhaps perhaps well, maybe somebody else who watches it more, you know, has better sense. That's a mistake because no general just sits there and doesn't watch what the enemy's doing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, listen, I want to I want to switch gears a little bit because we. Yeah, been talking about this. I was at the, incidentally. This whole thing I don't consider up. them the. I don't consider them the enemy. I think that uh, um, you know that unfortunately the, the major. Yeah, I think the majority. The majority is just you know they're screwed in this country, unfortunately, and, uh, and there's going to be a minority of of people who are smart and uh, and are doing things in order to improve themselves, and uh, those are the people who are going to who are going to have success. Remember what I said. We hand off our children eight hours a day to the public school system. I can't sit there and not try to reverse some of that when they come home. And I think sure. that's extremely important. And I've brought this up multiple times about the black heroes that they're foisting to white and black children in the public school system, and they're not. Okay. So it, it, we we have to keep our eyes on what our kids are being taught, and this is the vanguard of social engineering. I think the mainstream media follows suit. I would think that one of the most important places to look to see what's coming in the future is the public school system. It's where we can't go. We're banned by political correctness from going into these schools and talking to these children about all kinds of important topics. Fine, the mainstream media, if you've got any brain, you're an adult, maybe you're a young adult, you're watching TV, kids under a certain age aren't watching that, they're watching cartoons, watching CN cartoons too. But they can turn it off. They can go on the internet and find something else for the kid, for the captive, hostage, for eight hours a day to whatever the public school system agenda is. Impressionable. Impressionable. And you have to find out what's in that homework. You may not homeschool, but for God's sakes, parents, take a couple hours and see what these kids are bringing home from school. And if, if, if you don't agree with it, tell them why. I mean, they don't have to send the school uh, the kid off to school and say, I think we should fly the Confederate flag over the Massachusetts school state capital. But for God's sakes, be aware of what they're teaching. Look at those school books. And, and if you're, you're my age, I've got a, a, a Charles Beard school book from back in the 1950s. It's significantly different. And I can say in that amount of time, things haven't gotten any better. And usually these things are slow processes. But anyway, any rate, I'm going to bring up another point where I think people could brainwash. Hey, on Paul, let me interrupt you for one. Paul, let me interrupt you for one second. And I think what you just said applies across the board, no matter what. Is that as a parent, you got to be involved in uh, in what your kids are reading and what your kids are seeing. You don't necessarily have to lecture them and and grind them down, but uh, but on the other hand, or, or scare the hell out of them, which is which is another you know thing that I don't necessarily think does anybody any good. But uh, but you are absolutely 100% correct that you got to be paying attention to uh, to what your kids are learning. And I'm, I'm sorry. Go okay. ahead with your thought. I mean, to interrupt you. Harold, you want to make a comment? Yeah, Paul, I was just going to say this, that uh, we homeschooled our children, and they're now young adults. And it was a wonderful experience because it gave them an opportunity to spend less time in school, more time doing other things, and they ended up with a better education overall. They had really good scores when they got their GED. That wasn't particularly hard to get. But we went that uh, route, and they were out in life earlier than everybody else. I'm glad to hear that because we're big proponents of homeschooling in American Free Press and the Barnes Review. It doesn't mean, by the way, for those of people who can't afford it 
um, and where you live depends a lot on to do about what your budget is. But that when they come home, you can't give them a book to read and go over it with them. Uh, uh, but anyway, I'm going to change the subject a little bit, but it's related. Here we have this terrorist report that talks about how uh, homegrown terrorism is a humongous threat. And, uh, you know, the Sandy Hook school shooting was a terrorist event in its own way and the worst massacre ever. And, oh, 911 was a horrible thing, right? But, Chris, a couple of years ago, I had you write an article for the Barnes Review, if I remember correctly, in which we had been brainwashed about terrorism. And one of the things we found out, for instance, that, and maybe you can uh, fill in after I give you the lead in, I hope you remember, uh, this Sandy Hook and Columbine were by far not the worst school shootings or school massacre events in history. Do you remember that that article I had you write? Sure, of course I remember that. Uh, I was actually just pulling it up right now as you were talking because you kind of blindsided me on this. But, That's okay. Uh, I'll, give you, same I'll, give article. Another, I'll give you another second if you need to do it by just telling people that it was, wasn't bad. Uh, the, the bombings, they were, they were bombings, and there was an anarchist period in this America's history yeah. in the early 1900s, I believe, right, in which we had terrorist events all over the country. We had massive bomb explosions in the middle of Wall Street. We had school shoot, uh, a school attack. Do uh, you have that up yet? No, 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 no. American I'm looking for it on my computer American right Free now. American Press wrote about it as well, about these, Victor Thornton wrote about it, about these uh, countries like even Japan, you know, uh, obviously Norway, all across the world yep. prior to, I guess, Sandy Hook. There were many more people killed. Okay. Well, one of them, one of them was a, uh, a, a, a bomb put on the back of a horse-drawn truck. Wall Street. Right. Wall Street yeah. Killed yeah. hundreds of people, right? Blew the whole face off. Well, um, actually, uh, I, I actually was there, not at, <laughs> when it happened, but I actually visited that part of New York, and that's right mm-hmm. across the New York Stock Exchange, the corner building. It was the J.P. Morgan building, and you could still see, although they are planning on doing something to that building real estate-wise, you can still see on the facade of the building the the cuts in the stone from the explosion. And that was legit. And then the school shooting or the school massacre I was talking about. They never, caught, they never caught the person, by the way. I thought they did. Yeah, I can. No, uh, well, actually, that's not necessarily true. They rounded up a bunch of them, and uh, I found I got the article right here, Paul. By the way, but they don't know but, for sure uh, who they, they can. Yeah, well, sure that's who. it. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, in 1919, a wave of bombings sent by unknown terrorists through the mail had U.S. officials in a panic. These small, innocuous packages were all similar. They had New York City's Gimbel Brothers department store on the return address. That was one. That wasn't the Wall Street bombing that you're talking about in particular. But uh, this is ones where they had targeted business leaders, newspaper editors, mayors, bankers, Supreme Court justices, U.S. legislators. Even the attorney general at the time, Mitchell Palmer, was targeted twice. And so what the uh, what they did was they, they, they carried out the so-called Palmer Raids, where they swept the country and rounded up uh, 10,000 subversives. By the time it was over, almost 600 had been deported, and they sent them back to Eastern Europe and Russia. And it was the so-called, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Gallianists, or, radical, or followers of a radical anarcho-communist, Luigi Galliani. They were blamed for the bombings. And in 1919, Galliani was arrested, deported, but that didn't stop his crazed followers from continuing the violence, which culminated in the September 16, 1920 bombing of Wall Street, which resulted in 38 deaths and 143 injures, injuries. And, and you have also, tell us a little bit about that school 
Let me see if I can find it. This is uh, further down here. That was the the 1927 Bath School disaster. That one. That that's that one. Let me see if I can find the reference to it, so I can get you a little more details on on that one here. You know what? I'm just going to look it up online because this is a very long article yeah. here and trying to find and the details. While, while you're on doing it. that, Chris, I'll ask you guys, Paul, sure. Harold, Chris. Prior to the mid 1960s in the United States, what was the main terrorist group? that were attacking Puerto Ricans. Harold? Yeah, well, there really wasn't any main terrorists. The ones that, that the FBI was concerned about would have been things like the Mafia, for example. Okay, um, it was the Puerto so Ricans. It was, it was yeah. the Puerto Ricans. Yeah, the Puerto Ricans, they were involved in the, in the attack on the House of Representatives. That's correct, yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah, but, but, that. but they, they did a bunch of attacks. But it wasn't until yes, the so-called Six-Day War that Arabs began their attacks. Most people yeah. don't know that. Yeah. No, no, I do remember the Puerto, uh, Puerto Ricans. They were active for a while, and they, they just kind of disappeared into the woodwork. And then they were replaced eventually by by uh, the weather underground and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Let me read you a little bit about this Bath School Massacre in Bath, Michigan here, and this is to point out the fact that, and I think that this is worth it because the point of the article that I had written for Paul was that uh, you know today we're talking about uh, the uh, the extent of violence, these school shootings, all of this, and and the reality is is that you know that that this this type of violence has been going on for a long time, and that the key here with with this uh, event at this elementary school in Bath, Michigan, was this was not carried out by uh, an individual with with firearms. This guy's used explosives. So if you well, ban guns, crazy people are still going to find ways to 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 maim and kill people. Uh, no matter what, and so this individual here, he uh, what he did was uh, uh, Andrew Kehoe was his name, and he was pretty upset with uh, um, with the school district, uh, and so what he did was he set bombs in the school, and he ended up killing 45 people, 38 of whom were children, and then he set a separate bomb in a car and waited for the uh, the first responders to show up and blew that up too. That was a mess. Great. How many? How many? How many people were killed? Did you say? Uh, forty-five total were killed. In forty-five this, uh, in total were killed. Yeah, what, yeah. What's my What's my point here? My point is that the news media and the or the elite media are so much better, and, and whoever controls them, at brainwashing people. They wanted to brainwash us into the idea that we had to give up our rights for terrorism. Okay, so they started this whole uh, uh, barrage of propaganda after nine one one. We've given up rights. We're fighting all over the globe, specifically in the Mideast. We're killing millions of people, and the American people were scared, okay? Fear and ignorance go hand in hand. When you're scared, when you're ignorant, you are most vulnerable to someone coming over and providing the protection you allegedly need. The same is true about what's going on today. And so should we, about the, specifically about blacks riding, I think the purpose is to scare whites to show this un, this incessant coverage, to see people being assaulted, to see the places burning down. Uh, should we be scared of this particular type of violence? Well, look around you. If in truth 45 whites are killed every week by black people, you're probably much more likely to be killed in a major city, as Chris points out, rural America is different. But what is the, what, what, what should we look to the, and by the way, then they vilify the police. You're scared to go to the police because you might get shot. So the, the one person you look to to protect you is gone. So you're even more scared. You're going to hunker down in your house 
you're going to watch new, more news reports. So, and, of course, the best thing anybody can do, I'd imagine, would be to have some type of uh, physical protection, uh, have a handgun. If somebody at the Charleston Church had, had a handgun, maybe they would have shot this guy. If one of the administrators at uh, Sandy Hook had a school, uh, had a gun, excuse me, brass, this event, that event wouldn't happen. Uh, uh, over and over again, our reliance is being changed from self-reliance reliance on government entities, police forces, uh, the military, and everything, and, and everything else in between. Uh, I think that fear and ignorance are our greatest enemies, and I think that the one thing that counters that is knowledge. So this is why reading American Free Press newspaper and the Born to Be History magazine are so important, because if you have the facts, you empower yourself. Uh, if you have a handgun and you're not crazy, then I think that that is probably the best defense you could have against the chance of you or your family being murdered. Now, listen, i got to do the paper this week. We're on an accelerated schedule, so I'm only going to be able to do this for an hour. We could 11 o'clock, but I'm going to give everybody a chance to make a final statement if they wish. I'll start with you, Chris. Well, you know, Paul, I, I, I think that, that the point here that, that – we need to take away from this is that the thing that really worries me is the danger in all of this, that there are individuals who are already setting themselves up to exploit these situations, which are extreme situations, which involve, you know, people who are unhinged, who are mentally unwell, tragedies that occur, that, that happen, just like car accidents, things like that, uh, that, are, that involve people who are not rational people. And uh, the danger, of course, in this is that you have other people on the other side who are seeking to exploit these instances, try to, to, uh, to scare everybody into thinking that these, that these instances uh, affect them and that, uh, that, that there's some terrorist or some Nazi or some evil person hiding under a rock that's waiting to attack your children or something along those lines. So they press for clamping down on free speech. They press for clamping down on symbols of people's heritage. Uh, they, 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 uh, they, 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 they seek to really change this country and turn it into an uh, uh, even more controlling state. And I think that that's really is what we should be looking at at this point and, and, and the problems with it. I think you're right. Uh, Harold, do you have something else to throw in? Yeah, I do have one little thing here I wanted to pass along to you. In the congressional record, which was published by the U.S. Uh, Government Printing Office, Proceedings of the House in 1957, there's a page number 8559, and you'll find the documentation of the communist plan for using the Negro to achieve a communist victory in America. And it reads as follows. Israel Cohen, a leading communist in England, in his A Racial Program for the 20th Century, wrote, quote, we must realize that our party's most powerful weapon is racial tension. By preponderating into the consciousness of the dark races that for centuries they've been oppressed by the whites, we can mold them to the program of the Communist Party. In America, we will aim for subtle victory. While inflaming the Negro minority against the whites, we will instill in the whites a guilt complex for their exploitation of the Negroes. We will aid the Negroes to rise to prominence in every walk of life, in the professions and the world of sports and entertainment. With this prestige, the Negro will be able to intermarry with the whites and begin a process which will deliver America into our hands, end quote. Uh, interesting, and that certainly seems to be what's happening today. Dave, do you have yep. a final comment? Yeah, yeah, and I, I have heard that quote, Harold. Although I know that there has been some question as to the authenticity of it, and well, that could be. I, yeah, I think Pete had brought that to my attention, and I tried to verify it, and I couldn't. But I mean, 
regardless of that, I mean, that's exactly what they've been doing. So even if we can't verify that because it's been a while ago. But I think it's very simple here. And the name of my show is Who's the Bad Guy? We have to identify the bad guys and girls. I mean, it's the same people that are holding these white privilege conferences in colleges across the country. They actually have white privilege classes. You can earn college credits for learning how the whites are privileged. Forget about how white Northern Europeans created, struggled, sweated, bled, and died to create this once great nation. Forget about that. Whitey's the target. I'm sorry, it, it probably has to do with white envy. There's evidence that Jews are not white, that they're Asiatic. Obviously, DNA evidence. I think Tex Mars has written about that. Blacks, obviously, are not white, and I think a lot of them deep down know that they want to be more white. I don't know why they're not comfortable in their own skin, so to speak, but it's war on whitey. We have to recognize who is behind the scenes, pulling the strings, and it's always the same usual suspects. It's predominantly Jews. Thank you, Dan. Um, I'm going to wrap up the show just a fast statement. I think our greatest enemy here is ignorance. I mean, really, you will not be able to be brainwashed if you're staying on top of the facts. If you refuse to turn to the mainstream media for your news and information, uh, watch out for those school textbooks. Don't believe anything you read. Double-check everything. I hate to quote this guy. Winston Churchill said, The truth is incontrovertible. Malice may attack it. Ignorance may deride it. But in the end, there it is. Well, if you can find it, you've found a gem that could help you get through this life. Uh, don't be scared by the mainstream media. Uh, uh, don't you end up with a, a, a fight-or-flight syndrome at that point in time. I think fear makes most people want to run away. We can make this place a better place. I think we need to support independent media. And that's why I always encourage anybody who listens to this show to subscribe to American Free Press newspaper at www.americanfreepress.net or subscribe to your history of the Barnes Review. That's www.barnesreview.com. Subscriptions are cheap. There's a lot of good people working to get a real lot of information out there, unfiltered by the the big boys in the the media, the, the big advertisers who won't let you talk about some stuff. And the and the the agenda that is certainly behind there. Well, both these organizations are just looking to give you a different version of the truth, because obviously the mainstream media. I think a lot of these people are are, are good people that are in it, but they're told exactly what they need to put in there and what they don't, what they can. At any rate, uh, next week we'll be on at the same time. I do believe. Uh, I always pick Monday for my show because there's Monday holidays. I figured I'd get seven to ten days off a year. But we'll see what we got going on. But join us join us uh, next week. And thanks, guys, for showing up. And thanks, Harold, for calling. Uh, and that's oh, it for today. Oh, thank you. And that's it for our edition of History Today. Tune in next week. Thanks, fellas. Bye-bye now.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.